0: Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne, and we have Halle Melanie Young here today to discuss an aspect of parenting that I've never covered on the podcast, and that is the challenges and delights of raising tweeners. And the tweener years, I think, are kind of being expanded a little bit for sociologists and psychologists because. A lot of children are being pressured into maturity much faster these days, uh, but also because you have uh, situations and scenarios where some people are kind of um, developmentally delayed or uh, have a scenario where they are not uh, pushed into more responsibility faster. So you have tweener dynamics that probably can cover anywhere from about eight years old to 15 years old. But I think we're going to try to aim for uh, sort of discussing that uh, 11, 12, 13 range somewhere in there and uh, the difficulties and the blessings of that age of uh, parenting. So welcome, uh, Hal and Melanie, you guys are authors and conference speakers. You are in North Carolina right now, which is rare for you because uh, usually you're out on the road speaking at conferences this time of year, but at the time this is being recorded, uh, COVID-19 is still going on and probably will be a different scenario by the time this airs, but uh, welcome to the Family Renewal podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Israel. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: We are glad to be here.
0: All right, so now first of all, I guess I'd like you to introduce your family to the listeners. I would assume that most of my listeners are familiar with you, but the, there's always that odd dynamic of people only know what they know, And I'm always surprised sometimes that uh, people may have been with me who've never heard of you. So why don't you tell us about your family, your children's uh, genders and ages, and uh, help us to get a bit of a context for um, your experience so far in parenting. Well, we have a total of eight children.
2: Six boys in a row came Mm -hmm. first, Mm -hmm. and then two girls after that. Our six boys are all adults, Mm -hmm. um, still have three kids at home. Right. Our oldest is thirty, and our youngest is right there in that tween age.
1: Mm-hmm. So we've been through this. Uh, we've been a few times around the track through <laughs> through this age, and and feel like okay, we've we've gotten to test it, and no more theories. We <laughs> we are experienced. That's right.
0: So here's <laughs> one question I want to throw at you: uh, Do you think it's different for? teens and tweeners growing up in this age compared to when you guys were growing up at that age? Are there different challenges that they face different cultural dynamics and scenarios? uh, Or, or do you feel like it's, it's pretty similar?
2: Well, the biological things are similar because everybody has to go through that, that transition from a little child to an adult. And that first couple of years of puberty, or when we get all the crazy hormones. We like to say they climb on a hormonal roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, and invite you to join them. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Don't get on that ride. <coughs> but all of that is normal. It mm-hmm. is happening earlier than ever before. Mm-hmm. It may be environmental issues, we're not sure. But some girls are going through it as early as eight, some boys as early as nine. But depending on the ethnic group and the environment, some as late as 15 or 16. And so it is happening earlier. There are more challenges. Some people are letting kids on social media in the tweens, which is a horrible idea. And that's creating, causing the, um, the social anxiety and the social awkwardness of the tweens to be even worse.
1: Well, I think in a related thing, I mean, what we've seen with our older students, you know, and their experience once they got, got out of the home and at college or working is that behaviorally, Um, there's some arrested development out there Mm in the, in the new generation and feeling like one psychologist I read said that 25 is the new 15. Now that's Mm -hmm. a few years ahead of where we're talking about, but Mm -hmm. his point was adolescence as a developmental stage seems to have, have just exploded and lengthened out infinitely. And so some of the things that you're dealing with, with your 10, 11, 12 year old, may be something that lingers if you don't deal with it now.
2: Yeah.
1: And so the biological stuff happens on its own timetable, but the the parenting, the culture, the socialization and such, that can have a much longer reach if you're not careful.
0: Okay, so you mentioned social media. You said you think it's it's not a good idea to have tweeners engaged in social media. Um, what have been some guidelines that you've set up for your family as far as introducing social media to your children?
2: We like to wait until they're 15 or 16 so that they are, we like to have that time to prepare them to use it like a Christian before they leave home. Mm -hmm. But the idea of doing it in the preteen years is terrible because the the part of their brain that governs executive functions, like, is this a good idea, bad idea, Um, attention, focus,
1: judgment, judgment, um, common sense. I mean, that part, it's,
2: it literally unravels yeah. during this time, right? And it reforms later into the adult version. But you don't—you um, don't get ask a kid whose brain is mush to make decisions like they need to make on social media.
1: Yeah, and and we like to look past the immediate horizon to say, okay, what's coming up? What's our long-term goal? And realizing that it's just expected that an adult, that a young adult, particularly should be able to understand and be comfortable using social media. That is just part of, it's like being able to use the telephone in previous generations. So we want to have the opportunity to teach our, our growing adults how to use this in a discerning Christ honoring fashion while they're still at home. And we can casually look over their shoulder and saying, you know, that could be misinterpreted. Let's talk about how you express that in a, in a clearer fashion. You know, we can give them that training just like teaching them to drive.
2: But they're not ready for it in the tween years.
1: They're not ready for it when they're 12 or 13, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, the tween years have enough challenges without adding all that in.
0: Yeah. I find that a lot of young people in that age group, it's just expected of them that they will have a smartphone and they, you know, obviously are quite adept at spending their life on their smartphone. Uh, this kind of ties in a bit with social media, but what's, what is your take on responsible use of cell phone slash smartphone? Is there a reason for a tweener to have a phone of any kind? Is there a a benefit to them having a smartphone? What are your thoughts on that? In most cases, no. No,
1: No. we we long set a policy in our family that we would get kids a cell phone when they got their driver's license. You know, basically when they were, when they had the independence to leave, leave the house and go someplace and might need to get directions, might need to call for help, whatever. You know, prior to that, we had a, a cell phone that rotated among the younger kids. So if they were on a so field trip, that was yeah. the children's phone or whatever. But nowadays, pretty much the smartphone is sort of the platform of choice. If you're going to have a cell phone, you might as well have that. But it's not something, again, that we want to put in the hands of an 11 or 12-year-old. That's yeah. just not It's not healthy for them developmentally.
2: It's not. And, and really... During the preteen years, and I know it's hard. I've got one in that age, and all of her older siblings are engaged in social – they're much older than she is, so they're engaged Mm -hmm. in social media. They're engaged in in various uses of the Internet, and she wants to be there, so it's a constant battle. Mm -hmm. But developmentally, they don't need it. They need limited screen time, screen time for productive things to produce, not as much screen time to consume.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So so then – Is there some sort of transitional phase or stage where you utilize screen time and maybe responsibility with screen time uh, as a preparation for them having greater access to social media and to smartphones and all that kind of thing? And if so, what what does that look like?
2: Well, for us, the the transition time is the preteens into the midteens where they're having more access, they're able to borrow a sibling or a parent's computer, use the family iPad, with accountability software on everything. Mm-hmm. At first, they've got somebody next to them, you know, helping them out, directing them. As they get older, they're, they're given more independence. If they blow it, that independence is taken away. You know, it, it's, it's a mentoring, a, a discipleship process Yeah, we want our kids to be able to use all these things like a believer. And it's been pretty amazing to see how they do that after they've left home. But um, all of that needs to be pretty severely limited in the Mm preteens.
0: What do you do if you find that you have a child that seems to have an addictive personality? There are some students who maybe they play a game on a computer for 30 minutes and then they can walk away and, be fine with it there's others that if they're given a 30 minute limit and they have to come away from it they just can't handle it and they melt down and do you handle students or children differently if they seem to have more of a propensity towards really getting sucked into the addictive side of media or do you just sort of set parameters that you know these are our guidelines are these guidelines what are your thoughts on that
2: I think nearly all preteens have an addictive aspect to their personality. It's part of the changes that their brains are going through. Um, We talk about how normal it is for preteens to have obsessions. Mm -hmm. They'll be obsessed about horses or about dinosaurs or about military actions or whatever, but they tend to have obsessions. Now you can use that. You can use that in school Mm -hmm. to to use those obsessions to incentivize what they're doing in school because school tends to be a big problem in the preteens. Mm-hmm. And so instead of giving them the lame assignment that your grammar program suggested, you can say, well, instead of writing about your three favorite foods, why don't you, my son who's obsessed with raptors, why don't you tell me about your three favorite raptors mm-hmm. and why they're your favorite raptors. And so you can use those obsessions to incentivize things.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about discipline. Obviously when they're young, a discipline in some ways is easier because they're small and they understand that um, if the parent has authority in the home, they understand that I'm the child and mm-hmm. this parent I kind of have to do what is expected of me. But when they mm-hmm. get to be 13, 14 years old, sometimes they can be as big as us and as parents and so There's a sense in which, um, you know, you can't continue to parent with control anymore in the same way that you did when they were two. Um, What what is the what does the transition look like uh, as you are dealing with all these hormones, um, sometimes bad attitudes, back talking, you know, this desire that they have for independence and they're pushing back on the parent's authority? Um, how, how do you negotiate that? How do you deal with that? Because you still want to be the parent. You still mm-hmm. want to have the authority, but you also yeah. know you can't just, you know, yeah. come, come down hard on them all the time. How, how do you handle that transition?
1: Well, uh, you know, you used a word there. Let's, let's specify when you say negotiate, I don't mean like, please let me discipline <laughs> you, but I would say, how do you steer through this obstacle course? I, should I, think, have said that's navigate. What I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's what you meant. Um, well, I think there's a really important thing you have to recognize that, you know, when you're looking at the smaller children, the younger children, the scripture is very clear. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I mean, that's just, that's cut and dried. It's very simple. But you know what? When they're 20, I want them to be listening to the Holy Spirit. I want them to be consulting with wise counselors. I want them to be able to start to make their own decisions and to reason through things. And so, this transitional period starting right now when they're preteens, they're not going to be as responsive responsive to the control and correction type of discipline anyway.
2: No. In fact, if you try, what you'll get is World War III.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, for example, we have an altercation with a with a preteen. Mm-hmm. Um, son, you're yeah. not going to talk to me that way. You're, well, it's true. You, no, you are not. Listen, you're not going to the homeschool group this afternoon.
1: I didn't want to go anyway.
2: Uh, but, well, well, then you're no devices this week.
1: Well, usually I get too much screen time anyway. That was going to happen.
2: Well, you're not going to go to the church activity this weekend, then. I don't have
1: any friends at church. It's all dumb, and everybody there is dumb, and they play dumb games in youth group, and I just don't like it. It's waste of my time. Well, you're grounded for a month. I don't care if you ground me for the rest of my life. My life is terrible. It's ruined. You've you've killed it. and I just don't like it anymore.
2: And pretty soon you've grounded them for forty no. years, and you know you can't you can't make that stick. No, you know? <laughs> so no, but they're, but they're irrational, but and the the, the young child yes. that you say, meet me in the laundry room and you deal with it and it's over in 10 minutes, you don't have that anymore.
1: No. And see, the thing of it is when they are ready to leave your home, you want them to be able to to think things through. Why do we do this? You know, it's one thing when you, you know, the Bible says thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. That's in easy. That's simple. There's no discussion. There's no reasoning required on that. But there's so many decisions and so many issues that come up where they need to be able to think this through, to apply the scriptures they know, to ask questions to the right people, to understand that there's a reason for these things and to make those reasons their own or else to come up with their own reasons either way. But you can't just do it because mom and dad said so or didn't.
2: So how do you get there without letting them get away with disrespect and sin? Because you can't let them do that. You have to discipline sin. Mm. Well, you have to kind of change the order of the way you do things. With a small child, you discipline, then you talk. If you mm-hmm. try talking before you discipline with a small child, you're going to lose it. With a, Yes.
1: With right, a small right, child. Right, right.
2: With a preteen and older, you need to listen before you discipline. And you need to talk before you discipline. And that's time consuming and it's annoying. <laughs> but when you invest in the relationship, because see the, the enemy is telling them, because there's craziness in their hormones, then he's telling them nobody understands you, nobody cares about you. And when you say, "Whoa, whoa, honey, look, let's sit down and tell me what's going on here. I love you, and I want to understand."
1: That's really defusing the whole thing, right there. When you you are contradicting the narrative that they're hearing in their, let's face it, they're fallen and sinful hearts. <laughs> they're telling them they don't love you, they don't care, they don't understand. You know, when you show them, yes, I do love you. And I'm trying to understand, you know, that is, that kind of, you know, that takes them a little bit off their feet and and kind of disarms it a bit to say, okay, well, explain this to me. And then you can interact and say, now, this is where you're wrong. Maybe we were wrong with something and I need to seek your forgiveness for that. But But
2: the word of God says this, and you know, you were very disrespectful to me and I'm going to have to discipline that. And we've often at that point had kids say, you're right, mom, what, what are we going to do? What? Yeah.
1: Wow. Mind blown. Yes. But that's, yeah. But they do because you've you are,
2: invest in the relationship first
1: and you are showing them that you're not just the big mean person who rules their lives, but that you have, you have a purpose in the decisions you make that there's reasons behind the rules that you've established. And that, you know what? The best thing too, is when you show that you are subject to God's rule, just like you expect them to be yeah. subject.
2: So that's a very long answer to your question. It's
0: very, yeah, it's a very thorough answer. And I appreciate that because I think every parent who has a young person in that demographic struggles with knowing how to navigate that. They they struggle with knowing how to approach those relationships. And so many times parents will stoop to the level of their teenager and sort of duke it out with them on their terms.
2: It's a, it's hard they, not to.
0: It's hard not to. You, they, they, they'll suck you into it, won't they? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but the, that usually doesn't go well. Uh, <laughs> no. Now you mentioned the hormones and you mentioned that that's something that often plays a part in here and that they are sometimes irrational. They don't necessarily know why they feel the way they do, but they have these mm-hmm. strong feelings that are, you know, sometimes all over the map. But with that, uh, the changes that happen biologically in puberty, now all of a sudden there's a new sexual interest. There's a new interest in, the the other gender they're trying to discover and and learn about their own bodies what are some guidelines or some what's a template for us in terms of helping to establish patterns and principles of purity without you know resorting to some sort of you know weird um um puritanical i don't want to say that because I, I think that casts shade at the puritans i don't know how to do that i know what you're talking yeah. about I know what i'm you know, saying you know so, some kind of uh some kind of prudishness that's that's a good place well yeah. you, you know one of the things i think is really important
1: is that the talk is something mm-hmm. that's really more like the conversation it's something that you should have been talking about since that's they were really. little kids in the bathtub you know
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that you can't just wait till some magical age and then throw all this out there that you start building relationship and talking about these things very early. In Mm -hmm. fact, you've got to in our current culture because the average age of exposure to porn is now less than 11. And when we first started speaking about this, um, you know, we've written a book about sexuality for teenage guys. When we first started speaking about this, people would say, oh, my 16-year-old has found some bad stuff online. Now it's seven to nine-year-olds.
1: And, you know, the way that it's structured now online, it's coming looking for you. You have to actively, it's not a matter of I have to sneak out and find it. It's a matter of I have to actively avoid it. And our kids are stumbling into things that they didn't intend to.
2: And they're finding things in places we parents never dreamed. Right. You know, they're being exposed by their 10 year old neighbor, you Mm. know, by their eight year old cousin and by a kid with a phone in his pocket at church. And so we need to very early express safety issues about sexuality with our kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what people are not allowed to see and do and touch and what they're not allowed to see and do and touch and what to do if people do these things. Mm-hmm. And we also need to be sharing everything we share about sexuality in biblical context mm-hmm. that we need to be very frank with our preteens about sexuality. We, they need their friends are watching perversions in video online. Well we and, live in and a, so mm, we, we need to we need to be very yeah. frank with them yeah. but always in the context of biblical sexuality that that God created this for marriage and it's mm-hmm. a good thing within marriage right. and outside of marriage it's sin. You know and yeah. I, I think we if yeah. we keep bringing things back to the biblical context because I, I think where people have gotten in trouble with the prudishness is that they they try to make they try to say that all sexuality is bad and it's not.
1: Well, they take a good thing and they try to make it off limits and and, and, uh, bad in some respects, so that there's guilt attached to it. When really you need to say, no, let's give us the biblical balance and say, this is a good thing
2: within marriage,
1: within the guardrails that God's put around it. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. and if we just keep bringing it back to that, I think that
2: goes a long way. And any, so any sexuality outside of God's guardrails is sinful and bad and harmful. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: So on a practical level, what are some resources that you found in terms of Internet security, accountability software, filtering software, that kind of thing? Do you feel at liberty to mention specific sure. uh, software programs or, or things that you found that are helpful?
2: Sure. Uh, We've used um, Covenant Eyes for many, many years for our family and it has gotten better and solved some of the problems it's had in the past. It's gotten mm-hmm. better and better. It's now using an AI um, portion of the program that can even identify what's shown on the screen. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to have any kind of description or something. And that gets around a lot of the ways that people have tried to get around it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And, and I think it's important to realize that these, these programs are meant to be tools. They are not solutions. You know, that if you've got filtering or blocking on there, there's ways around it. Things are going to leak out and people are going to find a way to circumvent it. So, you know, you have to say, okay, this is to help me supervise what my young people are doing. And for us grownups to provide me with the accountability that I need, you know, and that's an important point too. I think that any of these programs, you need to make it something that's universal because guess what? grownups get tempted as well as kids and yes. we can get into just as bad or sometimes worse problems than our kids can. So Which we can
2: make it a lot harder to mm-hmm. do, to help your kids when they know that a parent is dealing with the same sin. You're going to have a hard time keeping your kids out of trouble.
1: Or if you're overwhelmed with your personal guilt and feel like I can't say anything to my kids cause I've got the same problem. No, you go back to scripture. You always go back to say, you know what? The Bible tells us don't go in this direction. And we're all going to follow the biblical path here. Mom, dad, all the kids. That's our one rule.
2: Talking about this, Israel, we have a free resource pack about about teaching your kids about Christian sexuality. And if folks want to go to raisingrealmen.com slash Christian sexuality, it's a free resource pack that will direct them to several um, online accountability programs, um, tips, how to know if your child is, is, engaging in this stuff and hiding it from you. Mm-hmm. Lots of helpful stuff there. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Well, as we close here, why don't you tell people just about some of the resources that you've published? Uh, you, you have your own publishing company. Uh, what, yeah. What's the name of your publishing company?
1: It's Great Waters Press. And, and we have the, the book on, uh, on tweens is called no longer little uh, parenting tweens with grace and hope. Yes. And that's really what we, we need a lot of that. Um, resource that we mentioned for uh, on sexuality for teenage guys is a book called Love, Honor, and Virtue. Yes. Okay. And it's written for the young guys. So it's uh, it's very direct it's and very, short. It's very short, <laughs> but it's uh, it puts sexuality everything on, from a
2: biblical perspective, from a
1: biblical standpoint.
2: And it engages what our world is dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're best known for our book, Raising Real Men. And we are becoming better known for our subscription box, Craftsman Crate, which is, teaches artisanal skills and has everything you need in the box.
0: You also have a, a great book on marriage. Uh, my
2: Beloved and My Friend, How to Be Married to Your Best Friend Without Changing Spouses.
0: <laughs> yes. And uh, how are some that people can connect with you, uh, either through your website okay. or through social media? The sure. The easiest way
1: is Raising Real Men. Uh, dot is our main website and,
2: and we are everywhere on social media at raising Roman.
0: That's our handle
1: all over the place. So.
0: Very good. Well, I encourage people to check you out. Do you, and you guys have a podcast as well?
2: We do. Mm-hmm. You can, it's called making biblical family life practical and you can find it at Hal and Melanie.com slash radio.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you guys for taking time to join us. I'm sure that we'll have you back on the podcast in the future uh, you have awesome. an enormous amount of resources that are helpful to families. And uh, for those who have not uh, checked out your website before, I hope they will sign up on your email list. And uh, and then for those who have, make sure you go back and check out the new resources because there are new resources being added all the time, uh, things that will be helping you and your family. So thank you, guys. Appreciate you joining me. Thank you, Ezra. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the
1: writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit familyrenewal.org.